we dive into part two? I have to be honest. The book of Joel, I've read a number of times. But I shared this with Pastor Bill whenever he, he said we're going to dive off into this couple weeks study of the book of Joel. I, I came to him and I said, to be honest, I've not ever heard. I don't think that I can remember. I might have slept through one, no judgment. But I don't remember ever hearing a pastor preach on the book of Joel. And to be honest, I've read it, but I've never really studied it deeply. And, and as I've done this the last couple of weeks, looking at the book of Joel, I've been fascinated with what is held within there. And, and I strongly believe that if we allow it today, the Lord is going to use the book of Joel. The Lord is going to use the words, though they might not be eloquent, He's going to use the words to penetrate our hearts this morning and change us in an amazing way if we allow him to have an encounter with us. Because I know over the last handful of days, he has changed my heart through this message. He has impacted my life through this message in just the last handful of days. So my hope and prayer is that we allow him to do the same to our hearts today. So without further ado, we're going to dive in to the book of Joel, and we're going to be in chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there, but there's one verse that that really jumps out in in chapter 2 of the book of Joel, and leading up to this week, I wasn't planning on preaching this, and and once Pastor Bill and I were talking, it was, I say funny, but the Lord has an amazing way about him. Because the track that I started studying, the track Pastor Bill was studying, because with illness going around, we didn't know who was gonna, who was gonna facilitate this morning's message from the Lord. But we were studying the exact same thing. So the Lord has something great in this verse for both of us to have this verse highlighted in our hearts. So, so Joel chapter two, verse 25, and it says this, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have, have eaten. And so, because I always want to make sure that I am on board with what words mean, my vocabulary has never been very extensive. So I looked up the word restore because I wanted to make sure that, that I had the full concept of this word. And this word, I love it, the second definition there is to bring back to a former original or a normal condition. And, and we see the Lord through the book of Joel saying, I'm going to restore, I'm going to bring back to this original condition the years that have been destroyed. When we think about this word, there are several things that come to mind. Not just what the text says about the years that the locusts have destroyed, but I think about the word restored, and, and man, I was really racking my mind, but I have a healthy fear of our facilities team of how to get a restored pickup right here. Probably wise that it didn't come to fruition. Then I had the thought, I'm like, well, a motorcycle? My mind went through so many different ways. I was thinking, what is something restored that I could bring in this morning for us to to grasp this concept. Because if we think about the word restored, there's so many things that can be 
restored. Many times my mind goes to the cars that are being restored. I saw in the news this last week that there had been some vandalism on a very expensive, well-known painting. And, and so the, the, the work to restore that to its original normal condition is underway. And as I got thinking about that news story, I couldn't help but think, so many times in our life, we, we have these things that happen, whether you want to call it vandalism or not. That struck a chord in my heart because I got thinking, I'm like, man, the enemy comes and tries to vandalize the artwork that the Lord has created in my life, and I need the Lord to come and restore it and to bring it back to its original condition. And we see this promise in the book of Joel that says the Lord is going to do that. Or maybe you think of an older house that has been restored. There's something beautiful about this community that we live in, all the older homes that have been restored. I know we grew up in one back in the early 90s in small town Leota, Kansas. It was a two-story house that every step creaked because the wood floors but based on what it looked like before we were able to inhabit it, it's a beautiful thing because something that once was, as it got neglected or as time wore on it, it has then been brought back. It's an amazing thing once we think about the, the word restoration. And one thing I got to experience this week is relationships are another thing that can be restored. Not always the most fun thing, but some of the stuff I got to walk this very last week, like on Thursday, and this, is, this is, wasn't even planned, me preaching this, and the Lord has a great way of working this all together, of saying, here's relationships that can be restored when you allow me to come and be in the middle of it. What great things can be brought back to its original thing. Because trust me, I had my own ideas. A handful of our staff could say amen because right back there by that exit sign, they gathered around me and prayed that my plans and my desires would go out the window and the Lord would have his way. See, I'm, I'm a human. I'm flesh. I'm not perfected by any means. Okay, they didn't say amen to that, so hallelujah. But but when we allow the Lord to come in, he can restore these things. So as we look at that, but one thing that I found that cannot be restored, no matter how hard you tie, try it, is time. So we all have 24 hours in a day, and many times that doesn't seem enough. My wife and I were talking this morning, and we were like, we would love to wake up in the morning and feel like we rested. Anybody else? Okay, maybe we're the only one. Okay, I'm seeing some head nods and some hands raised, so that's good that we're not alone. But we only have 24 hours in a day, and so many times, I know I'm guilty of planning 26 hours of events in this 24 hours, therefore causing myself. But because this, this time cannot be restored, this time that, that can't be restored and it flies by so fast, and how years pass and we can't get them back. We want to capitalize on all that. Especially in this season of, of our life, when we have a five, I got to get this right, five and a half 
0.379, uh, yeah, she'll give you the exact stuff. Just ask Emlyn. A three-year-old and a three-point-something month old as well. Time flies, and it's time that we can't get back. But what I love here is despite that, we see God promising the seemingly impossible with what he says that I will restore to you the years that the locusts have taken away, the way that the locusts have destroyed. We see that God's people, man, they had suffered this destruction. The locusts come in, and I don't know if you've done much research on locusts, but I'm weird and I have. They come through and they destroy. My mind's very vivid, so I, I see this as like a marching insect army. We just watched Bugs Life for the first time in my daughter's life the other day. And I see all these swarming locusts come through like an army ready for battle. And they're destroying everything in their path. And not only that, but they're multiplying as they go. Completely ravishing as they go along. And so we see God's people, they're, they're brought to this, this point of destruction they're brought to this point of, of saying, what is next? We've just suffered this great destruction, this great loss. And I love what it says earlier in the text in Joel chapter 2. In verses 18 and 19, it says this, that the Lord became jealous for his land and, and he had pity on his people. He has compassion. So, so despite them walking through this, the Lord still has compassion on his people. And I don't know who in this room needs to hear this today. Maybe you're walking through that destruction. Maybe you feel like the locusts have come and ravished your whole life in this moment. But we can hold on to the promise that we see here, that the Lord saw it, and the Lord had pity on his people, that the Lord was near, he wasn't far away, that he sees what they're walking through. I don't know who needs to hear it today that, that the Lord sees that struggle you're walking through. The Lord sees the destruction that you're seeing all around in your life and he has not left you there alone. And I love what happens in verse 19. It says, behold, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil. So what? That you will be satisfied. It's a beautiful thing that the Lord as we're, they're walking through this destruction all around them. The Lord says, I know exactly what you need. I know what you need in this moment, though you, though you may not even know what you need. Though you think you've, you're facing utter destruction and there's no hope, no light at the end of the tunnel, and he says, guess what? I'm not gonna just provide what you need. I'm gonna provide it to the point of satisfaction to where we're completely satisfied, lacking nothing, longing for nothing else. That's the God that we serve is the God that says, yes, you're walking through maybe the deepest of valleys right now, but take heart, I'm there, and I'm providing as we journey our way through. The Lord that we have and this promise that we see is that he is there, does this for all his people. I love the promise in if you go back and start reading through chapter 20, or chapter two rather, there's not 20. If you find 20 chapters in Joel, tell me because it only goes to three. But, but if you read verse 20 in chapter two, 
It's talking about how the enemy has taken advantage of the weakness of God's people. And then and it goes on talking about the animals were even groaning in verse 22. And leads up to this point of the sphere in verse 25, as we've read a number of times, and we're going to continue. My hope is that we can all memorize this verse because it's going to be on the screen a number of times today. But the point is that the Lord is going to restore. The Lord's Lord's going to bring back to its original condition if we allow him to. I love this because they were seeing the destruction of their fields. And the Lord comes and says, not only do I see you, but I'm here for you. I've got you. Just trust me. So many times in my life, I see the destruction. And because maybe this is a flaw of me being a man and a husband, but I try to start fixing it. Happens regardless of where I find myself. In traffic, I'm like swerving over the shoulder. Not that I'm going to take the shoulder, but I'm like, if there's going to be a way to figure this out, I'm going to figure this out. And then I have to humbly sit there and wait. Or if there's a, any issue that arises, I want to fix it. I want to take control and take charge. And the Lord says, there's destruction. But wait. I'm here. I'm present. I've got it under control. Trust my plan. Trust who I am. I have never left you or forsaken you. I've never faulted you. I've never left you without. I'm here. I'm going to take care of you. There's this hope. This hope that an abundant harvest would come. This hope that things would be restored, that things would be brought back to their original condition. And what I love about our Lord is, is sometimes he says, you know what? Here's what the original condition, I'm going to do far greater than that. If we just step back and allow him. I think through my life of how many times have I stifled his progress because I said, here, let me help you, Lord, like you need my help. And he says, man, I'm, I'm not wanting just to bring it back to what you knew and what you'd experienced before. I want to do so much, so much greater than that. If we just allow him to. If we just allow him to work. So... A question that we have is, what do these lost years look like here in our lives in 2024? What does this look like for you, for me? There's several things that we're going to run through here. The years that the locusts have eaten may look like this. They may look like fruitless years. And you're saying, there's just a lot of hard work. A lot of effort has gone in. A lot of tending the soil, but not a lot taking place. You know, when you sow the seeds, you water, you fertilize it. You're waiting for that harvest and then nothing happens. It's a fruitless season that day after day of hard labor, you're, you're working and trying and all this work you have, what do you have to show for it? And you're just in that waiting some of you may know what this feels like, whether it's a failed business venture or, or whether this is a misguided policy at work or whether this is an effort that you put in day by day, month by month, waiting for your turn to go up the ladder and say, God, I'm doing everything that I know how to do. And it's still seemingly fruitless. These are some of those 
years that the locusts have eaten, that we can take heart that the Lord is going to restore. He's going to bring things back. Maybe it's through painful years. Maybe it's this, you have lost a loved one and you're still just trying to find, and I know some people hate that phrase of new normal, but you're trying to find out, now what does life even look like with this absence? You had everything planned out and suddenly they're gone and now everything is skewed and everything is turned and, and toppled around and you have no clue what's going on. Or maybe you haven't lost them or they've got an illness of the body or mind, so it's seemingly like you've lost them, and it's, and it's this hard stretch. And you're like, Lord, I'm up against the destruction, and day after day, I, I, I work and try, and they don't remember my name. The Lord sees you as you walk that. And the Lord says, I'm going to restore. I'm, the locusts are, are I've eaten away that season and now you're in a painful years of life. But he says, I am here. Or maybe it's selfish years. There's a story that's been shared around for years and years. But there's this person, let's just call him Jim. Because that's what the story I read said. They named him Jim. I didn't name him. But he made a commitment to Christ, but it, it wasn't one that was truly impacting his life. That he had faith in Jesus, but it was just part of this huge concoction of what built up his life. This huge pot, melting pot, if you will, of his life. Then one day, God interacts and encounters Jim in a new and fresh way. He's, his, his eyes are open and he's spiritually awakened for the, for the first time. And he looks at his life and says, man, what have I done this whole life up to now has been all about me? So what have I been doing? There's no substance. There's no anything to my life. I want to live for Christ. I really want it to count for the Lord. I want my life to matter. I've wasted those previous years focusing on me. Yeah, we said yes to the Lord, but we say, here's your box. Here's your sliver of my life. And as I read that story, I couldn't help but think about my own life. Saying, yes, Lord, here it is, except for that. So I'm not ready to give that up. He's saying, those selfish years, the Lord wants to restore that, and the Lord wants to make something great of it. And you, you got to ask, am I giving you, Lord, am I giving you all of me, every nook and cranny of my life? Or maybe it's the loveless years that, that the locusts have eaten. Whether it's a division in family, and I know family dynamics, I'm not going to harp on that or stay long there because we put the fun and dysfunctional in the Rudex, if you know what I mean, I'm talking about. I love them all, but man, sometimes it's just like we could be a science study case right there. But, but maybe you, you have those family dynamics and, and years are lost because of disagreements or spats that you don't even remember what they are. I was watching a fictional show that 
Last night, actually, it, the character in there was like, me and my sister used to share everything, but it's been 16 years since we talked. And I know it's make, made up, and it's something scripted. But it got me thinking. How many times do we allow the locusts to eat away and destroy those relationships over something, dare I say, pointless and dumb and stupid, that, that matters nothing that we forget about what the original disagreement was. But yet, we don't want to lose. We want to win. We're going to stand our ground. So we allow it to affect and take away the love that we once had in our family. Or maybe it's, for you, it's the rebelledness. Rebellious years. Maybe it's, you're like the prodigal son that had everything, but squanders it away and goes away and you grew up with all these blessings but your heart deep in there you were searching for something else you didn't understand it, but you gave it to yourself you said I'm going to jump in 100% and not look back now you look back and you're saying man the Lord the locusts have eaten those years away or maybe it's misdirected I love what the Proverbs say in chapter 14, verse 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death and destruction. Because so many times, that's where my struggle is. The, the locusts eat away in that area of my life that I'm, I get misdirected. I think this other path is better because it's a shortcut and it's gonna be easier and then I all to come back and say, how did I end up here? And I find myself just saying, if I wouldn't have done that, or if I could have that one back. But as I said earlier, time is one thing that can't be restored. You can't go back and have a do-over. All through school, I was a little slow. I wasn't very witty. I've had friends, and, and even my brothers are way more witty than I. And there were so many times I'm like, man, I wish I would have had that. I would have, that was a zinger, but... A couple times I tried to float it in, and they're like, no, that was like three hours ago, bro. <laughs> Save that for next time. But we sit there and say, man, I wish I would have had the knowledge that I did then, the knowledge I have now back then. That's how you say that. But you can't go back. You're left with these locust years of misdirection. And then lastly, maybe it's Christless years. Every year that you spend without Christ is a locust year. It's a locust year of destruction. I feel like the term locust year may be on a shirt coming up. I don't know. But what struck me about this thought is if we've never given our lives fully and wholly over to the Lord, the locusts are eating and destroying our life. And we may be saying, what's the answer? And the answer is Christ. If we just release ourselves to him fully. We see him move in and allow. And you could say, when you say yes to the Lord, you can look back and say, man, all this foolishness that I could have avoided, but now I'm such on a better trajectory because I've said yes to him. So the promise of the restoration, this promise of restoration, I'm going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Who's this promise for? It's given to God's people. 
This promise of restored years. It's brought to the people that say, God, I need your mercy. God, I need you to encounter. I need you to move in a powerful way. Because I've tried it, and all I've left, been left with is misdirection. All I've been left with is confusion or Christless years that, that the, the locusts have destroyed. But here you're saying, God, I need you. In Joel chapter 2, verse 17, it says, spare not your people. Or spare your people and make not your heritage a reproach. Spare your people, O Lord. Lord, look on us with mercy and compassion. Have pity on us. Spare your people. Because what we see here is these people, they came to that realization that they knew they were in need of the Lord's mercy. And then we get to be spared. And you may be saying, why? That, that makes sense. In God's economy, it doesn't make sense. We are spared because Christ himself was not. We are spared. We receive that because Christ himself was not. It says it in Romans 8, 32, that he who did not spare his own son, but what he gave him up for us all. How he not gracious, not graciously give us all things. We can receive his mercy. He can spare us. Because church, he sees you and he loves you enough that he didn't even spare his very own son. And time, from time to time, whenever I think about this, it blows my mind because I can sit there and my mind just goes in and I understand the promise of it, but I still try to figure it out. I'm like, God, what depth of love really is that? How much you love me and yet, what do I do? to return that. I am many times humbled when I read these verses because I know what goes on up here. I know what's stored up in here. And yet the fact that he says, I'm going to spare you, my child, Tyler. I'm going to spare you because my son Jesus was willing to take that for you. He's willing to love us that much. Won't he give us graciously all things? Won't he take care of us and restore those things? He wants to restore those years by that deepening that walk and that relationship with him to reestablish that communication with him And I love that he's faithful. Now, many times I want it to be in a faster process, but just like any relationship, it takes time and saying, Lord, I'm gonna do my effort, not that I'm ever gonna do enough to deserve your love, but because you love me so much, I'm striving to chase after you and allow this relationship to deepen. A couple verses later in Joel 2. You shall know that I am in your midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God. 
beautiful thing here is that these people, they've endured so much. And yet, despite the fact that the locusts have destroyed so much of them, so much of their life, so much of their future, I love this verse because it doesn't say I'm, I'm far away. I'll return that email when I get back in the office. It doesn't say, if you just leave a voicemail, I'll get back to you. He says, I know I'm in the midst. I'm right there in the heart of the hard with you. And I love the last part. It says that you will know that, and that you will know that I am your God. I can't understand why in my head and my heart that I need to be reminded of those last few words. All the noise of the world comes and and tells me everything other than what we see there on the screen. But I'm constantly in need of this to remember that he is my God and despite what I've endured, that he is faithful and he's right there in the midst with me. He's walking with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He is there and no matter how far you've gone, no matter how far you are. And I love that because we can see that throughout the Gospels. You know the story where the young lady that comes in and she's less than perfect. She comes in, Jesus, is, they're, they're having this feast and she comes in and she says, I know I've had my struggles, but here, I'm gonna anoint your feet. I'm gonna anoint you with this oil. I'm gonna continue just to weep bitterly because of what I've been. She enters this place where there were people that were doing very good. They had cable and the sports package. They were doing good for themselves. And she comes in and pours herself out onto the Lord, kneeling at his feet and worshiping him. And the beauty of it is, many of them knew what she had walked through, but Christ had forgiven her locust years. They weren't pretty. They were full of destruction. But Christ had forgiven And she knew that. She embraced it. She came and fell, not worrying about what others may say about her. They were already talking the noise anyways. She said, I'm going to fall at my Savior's feet because everybody else has discounted me except him. He has forgiven those locust years. She had been forgiven much, so she loved much. And one of the things I love about that story as I zoom out and look is this fact that they were all there. Yes, they were in the presence of Jesus, but they were there receiving. Here she comes and says, I'm not much, but I've been forgiven much. I'm not much, but I've been loved much, and I'm going to come and humbly lay myself And I'm going to give what little I have and say, Lord, here it is. I'm going to pour myself out. And I love the image there because knowing her history, knowing her past, she had a better relationship than the Pharisees that were just there to see what they could get from the Lord. 
So it makes me wonder if the Lord's going to restore our, those locust years, if we come to him humbly, why not ask him for this? Why not make our desire know and say, Lord, you know my past. You know I'm walking through that season of destruction. Would you restore? Not so I can look like I have it all together, but because you will have the glory in my life. Why don't we tell him that we've spent too many days, months, and years trying to figure it out on our own, and we need you, because without you, we can't do it. As I mentioned earlier, this last week, three days, I don't know how many days ago Thursday was, there was a lot I was wanting to do in and of myself. But I had to come to that breaking point of saying, Lord, first off, your ways are way better than my ways. And your thoughts, especially right now, are far greater than my thoughts. So, Lord, I'm needing you to not let me do this on my own, but I need you to come in and work something fierce in my life. Not so I can get the pats on the back, but so you can get the glory in this situation. And the beautiful thing is when we do that, I stand right here in front of you today and say that when we allow him to have that control, he is able to do that and far much greater than that. He took what little I was saying here, Lord, take this conversation, and he multiplied it by a vast number. He said, watch what I'm going to do when you get out of the way and allow me into the situation. Let me tell you, there were tears that were shed, and there were, it was a beautiful moment in this little bitty room when the Lord entered in and said, you know what, I don't know, you guys don't have any of it figured out, but I'm going to take over, and I'm going to restore this, because I'm going to get the glory, because you've moved out of the way. No longer it's all about you, it's about to be about me, and it's going to be good. When we allow the Lord to come in and multiply, I'm not a math major, but if you take the Lord's multiplication, we know the story of him multiplying by 30, 60, 100 fold. If he multiplies something 100 fold over a course of time, you're going to have way more, that's my math, way more than you would have if he didn't. Amen. But more importantly than the math, why, why should we ask him for this? Why should we say, God, too many of the years the locusts have had their way destroying all the things in my life. Too many fruitless years have passed. God, why should we do that? Because this is very profound and theological too. It's going to blow your mind. God can do more in a day or a year than all of us can do in a lifetime. If we allow him in and say, God, you restore. You have your way. You make something great. C.H. Spurgeon said this in, in his sermon, Truth Stranger Than Fiction. One sermon preached in the power of the Holy Ghost will be worth more than 10,000 preached without it. I was about to delete the rest of that stuff on that quote because I'm like, bam, that's enough, but there's so much good in there. 
So if you go and teach Sunday school, and that's not a plug, but our children's ministry, if you're interested, see Kyla, um, they would love to have you. But if you go in and say, here I am, and you have that anointing resting upon you, get what it says? There will be more children brought to Christ by a little of your living, loving and teaching, than years of talk without him. How amazingly encouraging is that? I know I rest in that. I was telling someone the other day, once again, it was someone that hadn't heard me say this, and many of you have heard me say this a number of times. I'm not adequate to be up here on this platform. I am not enough to take the scriptures and decipher it down and say, here is a message from the Lord. without the Holy Spirit and saying, God, you know my struggles. You know my history. You know my intellectual level or lack thereof. And say, God, you know all that about me and here have your way. And watch what he does. But the question is, we have that at our disposal. We have that as a resource. We have that If we just ask him for it, if we humble ourselves and just remove ourselves from the picture and say, Lord, I need you present in this moment because without you, I'm going to screw it up. Why don't we ask him for that? My hope and prayer is that we're saying, that is what I want. The Holy Spirit working in me in a manner that it doesn't matter who I am or what I've done or where I've been, that it's all the Lord shining and people don't see me. They see him in me and through me. It's not my words anymore. It's him using me. It's him speaking through me. I hope and pray that our desire is not to wait and say, let's see if something happens, but instead to approach him and say, Lord, here I am. I need you to restore what the locusts have destroyed. May we come to him and ask him to restore that because what we've seen through the text is that he will. And many times... I myself have seen in my life that when we ask him, he's going to not only restore it, but he's going to do something far greater. So regardless of what the locusts have eaten and destroyed in your life, regardless of what season you're walking through in this very moment on February the 4th, 2024, regardless of what the locusts have destroyed, may we say, God, I'm depending on you to restore it because that's the only way it's going to work God I'm resting in you and your faithfulness to restore what the enemy has destroyed maybe you're saying I've never given him permission I've just always tried it myself may you say no more with the locusts say God come in take control. 
I yield it all to you, 100%. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your love and for your mercy. Though we do not deserve it whatsoever, Father, you still bestow it upon us and you still lavish it upon us. So God, we thank you for that. God, I thank you that each and every one of us has experienced something different and the locusts have destroyed something different in our lives. But God, you are faithful and you know the ins and outs about every one of our situations. God, we thank you that you're in the midst of it and that you're our God. So Father, right now, we ask that you would come and restore, restore hearts, restore lives. God, we ask that you restore relationships that you would restore families, that you would restore health. God, that your restoration would be among your people and upon your people. God, not so that we can stand there and pat ourselves on the back, but God, so that we can praise you and share your greatness with others. And Father, if there's one in here that has never given you the permission to enter in, that today would be that day. They would say, Lord, have your way in me and with me. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how present you are. God, go with us now as we go from here. May we walk in the newness of you. May people see you beaming from us. May we be removed from the equation. We love you and praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget, next week starts our seven-ish weeks as we press in to a Resurrection Sunday. You don't want to miss it, so we'll see you next week. Thank you so much.